Amen. I appreciate everybody being faithful to the house of the Lord today. Hope you parked your boats outside in the parking lot. Might get to use them after this afternoon sometime, but I do, uh, do appreciate your faithfulness. Things will be a little different here this morning. Remember, Pastor Renee, as they're stuck in Chicago, no flights coming in, in this way until the hurricane's out of the way, I'm sure. So just pray for them. I know they're probably watching this morning, and I'm just sending out a prayer for them to take and arrive home safely. And uh, just thankful that God's kept them safe this far. Let's all stand together this morning. Turn to hymn number 56 in your blue songbook, page number 56 today. When we all get to heaven, we'll sing that first, second, and last verse, page number 56 this morning. announcements I'd like to make. Brother Roar, would you mind making your way up this morning? We'll get ready to have a prayer here in just a few moments. Remember Brother John Wasoski, he'll be having surgery in the morning at 7 a.m. Pray for Brother John, God will take care of him. It is outpatient, right brother? As far as he knows, it's outpatient surgery, so just remember that. Then uh, on behalf of my family and the pastor's family, we would like to thank you for all that you've done last week for Nick and Lydia and the party we had here at the church. Our hearts are very grateful and uh, just overwhelmed at what was done here for our children and just pray as the wedding's coming up and I know Haley's getting ready to get married here in just a week so just uh, pray for her and uh, her husband as well as uh, God will be anointing these two marriages and pray for the uh, unity that will be there and pray they'll do God's will. Amen. Brother Roar, you come pray for us this morning. Let's all bow our heads. Father God, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. God, today, as we look around us and we see what all is going on, there's nothing going on that you don't know about. Amen. And God, we just uh, pray for all the ones that's affected. Yes, God. For the ones that's affected by the storms. We pray for Brother Greg and uh, Sister Renee as they uh, often can't get back because of the weather. We pray for them. But God... 
You know, nothing takes you by surprise. And we just thank you for this day that you've given us, that we can come out and worship in your house. God, that we can give you the glory for all that's said and done. And, and God, today, if it be one in the midst of this service, may the word of God convict that heart. Help us all, you know, we all, we all fall short. And God, we just uh, pray that uh, for a touch from you that would help us all to draw closer to you. Help us to be what we ought to be for you because you've been so much for us. You loved us way before we ever loved you. And God, we thank you today for everything that you do. We thank you for Brother Ken as he stands to bring a message. We just pray that the message that he brings, Lord, is something that we need, are in need of. Knowing, God, that, that you feed us with what you want us to have. And Lord, we just thank you. We know things could be a whole lot worse. Things could be a whole lot worse, but God, things is the way that you want them. Well, we, pl- we place uh, all our hope and prayers in your hands. We pray for this, for this church, God, that you would just be in the midst and that we could, you know, when we come in through the doors, as we, as we walk through the doors, God, that we can feel your presence. I feel your presence right now. I have goosebumps from head to toe because of your presence. And we thank you for that. We thank you for that, for each and every one that's come out this morning. You know, I've, I've heard an old saying, one drop of water would keep 20 Baptists out of church. Well... Lord, I think it's the other way around this morning. Amen. I think, you know, we have a reason to be here this morning. Yes, we have a reason. We have a reason to be here. A little bit of water ain't going to keep us down. Amen. But we thank you for the love that you've shown us. We thank you for every blessing, Lord, that you pour out on us. And God, we thank you so many times that we go through trials and tribulations. There's somebody here this morning that's going through a trial. But you already know about it. But we do thank you. I don't mean to take up so much time, but God, what you put on my heart needs to come out. And Lord, we just thank you for that love. I can't, I can't get over it. Don't want to get over it. Amen. Don't want to get over it. Because your love means the world to me. And we thank you. And we give you the glory. And now uh, as we go into the service, Lord, may your will be done. And we give you the glory when it's all said and done. In Jesus Christ's precious and holy name, amen and amen. Amen. God bless you, brother. Amen. Y'all can be seated this morning. So you get so used to a routine, I'm, I'm trying to find out what we need to do next. 
But uh, I've got a few more announcements I need to make as soon as I find my bulletin wherever I laid it. There it is. Um, continue to remember as we're collecting the quarters for the OCC, Operation Christmas Child. And uh, if you have those, please uh, bring them in. Then don't forget on October the 14th, we'll be having our Sunday with the Wisnets. So uh, be, keep that in prayer as they'll be coming in. Looking forward to that service as well. Then don't forget also as we have uh, moved our date up for the Civil Servant Sunday on November the 18th. We'll have some special announcements coming up on that in the days to come. I also need to make the special announcement as it is in your bulletin. It's a little bit of a misprint, but um, as Brother Delmas Roar, they'll be doing the ministry there at uh, Blue Ridge Nursing Home, not Blue Ridge Baptist in Patrick County, Blue Ridge Nursing Home. So continue to pray for that as it'll be the second Saturday of the month beginning in October as they'll be doing a ministry there with the nursing home. Then also for a drama practice this evening, we're going to cancel that as well. Uh, James and Miss Pam was in agreement with that also, and I agree totally. So I uh, need to keep everybody safe as possible. With the forecast that's in, the, in, in our upcoming future here, just uh, everybody remain safe as the heavy waters may come or they may not come. So let's uh, just keep an eye on the sky. And as they say on the news, uh, turn around and don't drown. Amen. Don't take that chance. I seen an interview this morning with a lady who had to kick her window out because she tried to go across uh, a road that was covered up in water, and she's lucky to be alive this morning that was able to rescue her. So uh, just, just be careful. When you see that high water, no matter what size vehicle we got, it can still take you away. So uh, let's just keep that in mind and stay safe, and um, I promise you that you'll be all right. You'll be all right if you don't make it. But uh, if you don't make it across the water, you know, not if you don't make it. <laughs> if you're saved, you'll be all right. <laughs> Ain't no need in going to heaven until God wants you there. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble. Hey, Brother James, come on up here. We're going to collect some money from with the little kids this morning. Uh, this morning, all the kids going to children's church, junior church uh, this morning. If uh, you'll come on up, grab your bucket, go around, and we'll collect some change this morning. And uh, rescue me from my tongue getting loose here today.
saw the kids going to children's church and junior church. If you hadn't already made your way up, go ahead and do that. Uh, Sister Debbie, you and your mom and sister want to come on up this morning? Maybe even the new addition. All right. Got a special treat coming up for you this morning. Fellas, y'all get ready to come on down. We'll get ready to see this morning's offering. <clears throat> They'll be coming and blessing us in a number and song. I think even Brother Jake is going to sing with us this morning. Looking forward to that. Y'all pray for him. And uh, she said they was practicing this weekend, and he was singing along with them. Looking forward to hearing, hearing them sing here in just a few moments. Ain't it good to be in God's house? Amen. Amen. Tell you, it's been a lot of, a lot of destructions about the slowest moving hurricane I think any of us has ever seen, other than uh, what te Texas uh, suffered last year through Hurricane Harvey. But just uh, pray for those that's in uh, harm's path, and, and uh, everything will recover well, and it's going to take some time, but just... Uh, you can replace stuff, but you can't replace people. Amen. And I know it's hard, and I know it's easy to say, but, you know, things is easy to replace, but you can't replace lives. You know, just pray for these people who's out there thinks it's right to go out and loot these businesses just because they're closed. That made me mad this morning when I seen that on TV. I wish somebody would stood right there in front of the door and said, I dare you to cross this line. It just makes no sense to me. They don't have a right to go in some place of business and steal that stuff just because the lights is out and nobody's there to guard it. Y'all come on up and get ready this morning. Before I get loose here. <laughs> that just burns me up. Go out and work for something if you want it. Amen. Amen. Gracious. <laughs> We're getting set up. Y'all just hang on a minute. Bob, you mind praying for us this morning, brother? I haven't thought of what we're thinking. We couldn't get out of the house today, Lord. We could be in any place we could get to church today all together, Lord. So, yes. Lord, we know Lord, how just we're going to get out there. Lord, we couldn't uh, pack the house for the rest of the family away. Lord, we're safe. And we have food and clothes and all that. And Lord, it's a nice to come today. Lord, we just pray you bless the services right now for the Lord. Because that might be the last time we ever hear the gospel. So we pray for souls that are lost today, that the victim and drawn. Lord, they get saved today and have the real love of Jesus in their hearts. Leave this house lost and undone. We pray for those that have uh, lost their homes and uh, have bad things happen in their lives during this storm. I pray, Lord, you bless these families. Yes. Uh, lift them up and Lord, help, help them realize, Lord, that you love them and uh, they have a home in heaven if they want it. All they have to do is accept it. Lord, we also pray for uh, Pastor today. If they have to <coughs> the travel, give them a safe journey. They can go about their way. They can bring home back safe to us. Bless Brother Ken as he comes forth and sing. May it all give you the praise and glory. We love you. We're thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning. <clears throat> we got a new one with us this morning. Uh, Y'all can't see him, but he likes about that much being perfect. <laughs> <laughs> this is my grandson. I thank God for Jake. He's been a blessing to us. The Lord's gave me quite a few songs. Sometimes they come from reading God's word, sometimes from experience. This one we're going to sing and kind of hit home. I hadn't been able to sing it, so we made a CD a while back, and we put it on it. Uh, in 2011, in August, 
My brother Edward Cobbler in Newport News went and got his paper, laid it down, went to get him a cup of coffee. He never got to the coffee pot. He fell dead with a heart attack. You know, I don't think we realize just how close death is to us. Less than three months later, I had another brother in Collinsville, Robert Cobbler, got in his truck. We don't know where he was going. He, something bound to have happened because he cut the motor off and tried to open the door and then just fell dead with a heart attack. Right after they died, this song come to me. Listen to the last verse. If you do not know Christ as your savior, you have no promise to go out that door. Entitled, let Jesus in. Lord, you gave your only son for our sin. Who on earth would do such a thing? You loved us when we were unlovable. I'll sing. No love on earth like God's love. And no one knows our heart like he does. So just trust him. Today's the day of salvation. He's knocking at your heart's door. Let him in. drop of blood leaves your veins it's been the last time your heart has been it'll be the last breath that you have taken will you be in heaven or did you wait too late No love on earth like God's love. And no one knows our heart like he does. So just trust him. Today's the day of salvation. He's knocking at your heart's door. Let him in. He's knocking at your heart's door, let him in. Just trust him, today's the day of salvation. He's knocking at your heart's door, let him in. He's knocking at your heart's door, let him in. Please let him in.
Well, the ladies always do a good job. That was a great job, Jake. Awesome. Awesome. I was just thinking, I see you standing up here singing. You know, the Bible tells us, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's not old, he will not depart from it. Uh, had he been on a, on a baseball field and hit a home run, we'd all stood up and cheered. Had he been in a basketball game and had a triple-double, 27 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, we'd all give him a hand clap and a praise his holy name. But I'm telling you right now, we ought to be praising him for what he's done here today and encourage him to keep on going. Amen. It's not easy to get up here and sing. Trust me, I know. I know. I get, I get more nervous singing than I do preaching. I'll tell you that right now. I'd rather preach than I had sing. But uh, we're going to stand up and sing one more song. Have a fellowship time. Page number 22 this morning, Are You Washed in the Blood? We'll do that first verse, first verse and chorus, have a time of fellowship. One more time. I'm off key today. Have you been... Sorry. I can't even get the tune in my head. Have you... <laughs> have you been... Yeah, here we go. It's coming. It's coming to me. We're going to get it together. If I can't have fun up here, y'all just laugh at me anyway. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His gracious hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood in the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do that last verse. Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood in the soul? Cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Hey Amen. Shake hands for a while.
Amen. Once again, I thank everyone for being here this morning. Appreciate your faithfulness to the house of the Lord. If you would be turning to Second um, Corinthians this morning, Second Corinthians, and also be putting uh, putting your place in First um, Samuel chapter sixteen. Second Corinthians and First Samuel. Also, I'd like to make one more announcement for those who who would uh, be able to make themselves available for next Saturday. I know um, no Haley's getting married next Saturday afternoon, but next Saturday morning we need to get the main stage put in here if we could and. Uh, Usually, when you just, I'm just talking about the main stage, none of the extras, no extra pieces, nothing down here, just this section up here. We need some guys that can help out Saturday morning. We'll start at 8 o'clock, and we'll probably be done by 11 as fast as we normally work. But uh, we'll get in here, get it done, get that thing locked down, and we'll move right on along. But we need to have that up if we can to help along with the drama, and also uh, we're going to use it for the wedding as well. So if we could, next Saturday morning, starting at 8 a.m., and uh, we'll, we'll whip that thing up here real quick if I could have some men that could come out and help me. If you uh, would just let me know you'd be able to make it, please uh, let me know sometime within the next few days. And we'll set that up for next Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. Next Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 this morning. I want to uh, speak to you this morning on something that I think we all deal with at times, especially in the society that we live in today. It has kind of set us up for more of it than uh, normal, but... Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 3. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I want to also read to you 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8, where it reminds us in the Bible to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. In our lives, we all have adversaries. I think we'll all agree with that. Everybody in here battles something in some form or fashion. We have that roaring lion who's walking about trying to devour us. We all have adversaries and strongholds. We all have giants in our lives that we face every single day of our life, some big, some small. We become frozen in their grip and lose the ability to live that full and free abundant life in which Jesus Christ promised us. He said, I am come that they might have life and may have it more abundantly. Your stronghold today, it may be fear, it may be anger, it may be bitterness, it may be uncertainty, it may be anxiety, it may be addiction, it may be depression, or it may be rejection. Whatever your adversary is, Jesus can, can give us the strength to endure it, resist it, and to be able to conquer it. And just for a few moments this morning, I'd like to speak to us all on the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection. Rejection is real. None of us in here today want to feel like we aren't good enough. None of us in here today, don't, none of us want that feeling of we're just not smart enough. We're just not good enough. We're just not wanted enough. All of us in here desire to be wanted, to fit in, to have acceptance. Nobody wants to feel left out, looked over, forgotten about. Everybody wants to feel like they belong somewhere. Some of us will put on that hard shell exterior and say, I don't need anybody's approval. I'm fine just by myself. That statement alone reveals how much we do need somebody's approval. How much that we would like to feel like we fit in somewhere. A word of rejection, even something small that wasn't really aimed to hurt someone, can really stick and sting at times. And we have to be careful with our words. Many of us in here, if not all of us, have faced rejection at some point in time in our life. Some of us were able to move on, and others it became a constant companion with them, that fear of rejection. 
It's like a cold wind that continues to follow us wherever we go. It's like a rain cloud in a cartoon that never seems to escape the character. It's always raining on them. This rejection has festered from the days gone by and it has, it has riddled us with insecurity and insignificance and a sense even of an, an abandonment. The fear of rejection. When you think about this feeling, where, does it, where did it come from in our lives? Who knows, we all come from different avenues, different walks of life, but maybe it was when your spouse walked out on you. Maybe it was when that father didn't stick around to even meet you when you were born. Maybe it was when your parents decided to split up. Maybe it came from when you trusted, when you, that trusted friend you had stepped out and never called you again or never returned a text message. Maybe that's where that feeling came from. Maybe it was when a loved one passed away and left you alone here on this earth. Our sense of rejection can be big. It can be more subtle like a sense of inadequacy. I think I'm hitting the nail on the head because it's getting kind of quiet in here this morning. But can you imagine being... Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter number 16. We're going to go to Jesse's house. Talking about that fear of rejection. I think all of us in here at some point or another, whether in our childhood, whether in our teenage years, whether in our adult years, we have felt that fear or that feeling of rejection. I know the chapter is a little lengthy, but I would like to read it so we could get the basis of the story. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and begins in verse number 1, said, The Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from the reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to, to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come, they looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. And Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him. For we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. And now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance. And godly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp. 
And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto the servant, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in plan and mighty valiant man, a man of war and prudent in matters and comely person, and the Lord is with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread, a bottle of wine, and a kid, and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly. And he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hands. So Saul was refreshed and was well. And the evil spirit departed from him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray, Lord, you'd be with us now. Father, move me out of the way. Use me as your mouthpiece today. Father, I pray, Lord, you'd help us all with this feeling of rejection this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, for the one soul that may be in here today does not know Christ as Savior. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would convict their hearts this morning and show them their need for salvation. And Father, may they come to know you as Christ as Savior this morning. God, do thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here. God, thank you for the calling that you put upon my life to preach the word. God, I pray, Lord, you'd use me as your vessel today. God, we pray, Lord, now for our pastor and his wife, Lord, as they're away from us. God, may you help them to get home safely. Father, it's all in your time and in your will, and it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Can you imagine this morning being in that house of Jesse? Can you imagine the rejection of the other seven brothers? Can you imagine what they felt? I want you to notice this morning that it wasn't just a private rejection, it was also a public rejection. You say, how is that? Look back with me just for a moment in verses 4 and 5. Verses 4 and 5, it said, And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem, said, And the elders of the town trembled at his coming. The prophet of God is coming into town. What's going on? What is God bringing by our way? And said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. He says, Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to sacrifice. So as this thing was happening here in Jesse's house. It wasn't just Jesse and his seven sons that was there. Others had been invited. The elders of the city were there and all of those who would sanctify themselves and come with him. So it wasn't just a private rejection that these brothers were facing. This was also, if you want to call it, a public rejection or even maybe a public humiliation. Tradition would have it would have had David as last and Eliab as the first. Why? Because he was the firstborn. That's how God wants it. The firstborn. That's how it has been set up through time. Through the Bible we've seen how rejection has messed with brothers' relationships through time. Think about Joseph and his brethren. There was a lot of rejection there. There was a lot of hate and hurt going on there. Even when the intention is not harmful, a tiny seed of rejection can take root, wreak havoc on our character and our countenance. That tiny seed of rejection. You see, rejection shows up in more ways than one. This, is, this giant has many cousins that go along with it. On one side of the family, the cousins are called insecurity, low self-esteem, low self-worth, inferiority, and even self-hate. On the other side, the other set of cousins would be called, you'll be surprised to learn their names, they would be called driven to succeed, perfectionism, winning at all costs, being an overachiever. Both sets are part of the same dysfunctional family. If you've been told that you're worthless, then you think of yourself very lowly. If you've been told that you're valuable, 
when you perform, then you think that you have to prove yourself every single time in order to be accepted. Both of these things reveal that we are coping with the giant of rejection. We have all faced some sort of rejection in life. We have all felt at some time that we don't measure up. We have all experienced some performance-based environment where we feel the need to work hard or else we won't gain approval of those who are above us. If you think back with me into Genesis in chapter 3, a seed of rejection was planted. Adam and Eve, they lived in the garden. It was perfect, perfect harmony. They knew no wrong. They did no wrong. They awakened every day to love and wonder in the eyes of their Creator. They walked and talked with God closely and intimately. Everything was perfect. They lived unspoiled lives in an unadulterated world. But then the serpent came on the scene and insisted that they needed something more. Y'all are missing out on it. God's withholding something from you. There's better things. There's bigger things. God doesn't want you to be as God's like He is. He insisted that they were missing out. He insisted they needed something else to make them happy and God was withholding something from them that He knew would be much better. They had it made. Obey God. Don't partake of the tree. One tree. Don't partake of that one fruit. Don't touch it. They had one job to do and messed it up. We know the story. They didn't listen to God but followed Satan's plan and when that happened, sin entered into the world. A seed was planted, a seed of rejection. They were rejected by God. Now it had to be a sacrifice made. Now it had to be some bloodshed. Now just, just enjoying God and God Himself was not enough. God rejected them. The seed causes people to think there's something inferior about us. We see signs of this everywhere. This fallen world we live in is corrupted by a sense of inferiority. We learn early in life to compare ourselves with, every, with everyone else. We look at other people and we begin to compare ourselves, size ourselves up. I'm not as small, not as big, not as tall. I'm not as heavy, not as skinny. I don't run as fast. I don't look as good. I'm, all kinds of things. They got better hair than I got. They drive nicer cars, a bigger home. We compare ourselves with everybody. We're setting ourselves up for failure. We start looking at others to figure out how we are doing. In our society today, social media has only magnified this problem. As kids in elementary school, all we had to do was measure ourselves up to our classmates, maybe 20 students. Now with social media, we're measuring ourselves up with thousands upon thousands of other people. Setting ourselves up. The entire world is up for comparison. And how overwhelming is that? We'll try to compare ourselves with people we don't even know. We'll try to compare our lives to other people's lives who don't even live 15 states close to us. <laughs> we'll try to measure our church to a church that's on the other side of the nation. All we can be is Stanley Town's Amazing Grace Baptist Church. We can be exactly what God wants us to be. We don't need to measure ourselves up with no other church in this county, in this state, in this nation. This is the church God has set up, and this is the people He has brought together to be what we need to be to this county. Amen. And if we get the opportunity, we'll spread our love out to some, other, to some other counties and to some other states if we can help them. We'll see what needs pop up here in just a few weeks. How do I measure up, world? When we're on social media, we'll put out posts. How do I measure up, world? And we look for how many likes we get. 
Do you like me or not? Y'all remember that in elementary school? You'd write, well, some of us do. Now we send text messages. But back in our days, in the, in the days before they made the Indiana Jones movies, <laughs> in, the days, in those days, we'd write little notes to a girl sitting next to us. Do you like me? Check yes or no. That's all the approval we needed. If we got the no, we felt that feeling of rejection. If we got yes, we felt we was walking on clouds. Same way in life. How do we measure up? We measure our worth according to the amount of likes we have on our social media. You know, that's an only if situation. Many people get stuck up in this social media thing. I'm not saying everybody does that use it, but a lot of people, they, they, they mold their lives around how people see them through social media. It's an only if situation. No, people's only going to like you if your hair looks amazing that day. Or if your makeup looks good. Or if you, you went to the best restaurant. Or if you went to the, that good concert. Or if you went to the right conference that week. Or only if you're hanging out with the coolest people. Only if you went vacationing to the coolest locations. Only if your kids are cool enough or cute enough. Only if your boyfriend or girlfriend is a babe. Or only if your DYI project was spectacular. It's then and only then will you get the likes. You know, it's the truth. You post a quote, you post a rant, you'll post a selfie out there, and then seconds later you're finding yourself looking at the like button, see how many people liked it, or see if you got any comments. We're looking for that approval. Waiting to see if that thing goes viral. Man, I got 5,000 likes on that thing. People like me. Then the next time you post something, you might get five likes, and then you feel that rejection. Nobody likes me anymore. Hello, world, this is me. Do you like me? You know, we don't post selfies of us when we're having a bad hair day. We don't post selfies of us as teenagers when our face is breaking out in zits. Look at me today. We don't do that. We don't post things about ourselves when we finish third in a contest. We don't post our DIY projects when they're an epic failure. We don't do those things. Some do that, but only to... to be fishing for words of encouragement. Oh, it's okay. It'll be all right. Social media can be a good thing but when, you, when it's used correctly, but if, if that is where you're getting your value from, then you're sunk. You're sunk. If we live for people's approval, we will die by their rejection. It'll happen. It's a common fact. If we're not careful, we'll lose sight that we are miraculously created by an almighty God. That's who we ought to be looking from approval for. He didn't ask us to compare ourselves with someone else. He said for us to run our race. He said run our race. He didn't say run everybody else's race. He said run your race. Run your race. Do what God wants you to do. Don't look for nobody else's approval. Get approval from God. Run your race. Run what He asked you to do. He didn't say work on somebody else's timetable. He said work on His timetables where He said to work at. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6 reminds us, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's still working on us. Run the race that he has called us to do. God wants us to believe in him. God wants us to find our acceptance and our approval through him and him alone. That's where our strength comes from. Number one, this morning I want us to understand that we are God's work. When David stepped up to fight Goliath, he even had to face the giant of rejection. 
He had to face a giant of rejection. He was still a teenager. He was bringing supplies and and checking on his brothers because his dad had sent him there. And he heard the taunting of Goliath and he didn't like what he was saying. And he asked, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And he was looking to see who was going to take care of him or going to take him down. He was standing amongst the mighty men of valor. Not David's mighty men, but Saul's mighty men. Warriors were standing there trembling in their armor at the sight of Goliath. I probably would have been in too. Nine foot tall. Good gracious, you don't see those guys every day. But a mighty warrior, pretty sure he probably hadn't taken a bath in about six or seven months. He probably smelled nasty, nasty looking teeth, maybe drool coming out of his, I mean, just paint the ugliest picture that you can of Goliath. He didn't show up in a suit and tie. He was a man of war, probably had blood stains all over his body, all over his armor. He was known for taking men down. Look at chapter 17 and verse number 28. Remember that seed of rejection. Notice what David's brother Eliab said to him. Chapter 17, verse number 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why comest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David replies, and David said, What have I now done? What have I now done? You see that bitterness, that seed of rejection had been planted in Eliab when they was back at Jesse's house, and, and he was the first one to walk through the line as Samuel looked at him and said, You're not the one. It wasn't just Samuel that said it, but everybody that was around him at that time seen that rejection. You see what that seed of rejection can do once it's planted in. It's not, if it's not handled correctly, it begins to grow inside and it begins to make you bitter and begins to make you angry and it begins to make you mad at things and mad at people that normally you wouldn't be mad at. Eliab, he was rejected by Samuel. He was the biggest. He was the oldest. He was the strongest. He was a shoe-in to be the next king of Israel. Not according to God's plan. The youngest of them all, the one that daddy didn't even consider putting in the lineup that morning, when David came in, God said, Samuel, that's my man. How do you think Eliab and his others felt that morning or that day? You think they felt surprised? You think they felt jealous? You think they felt spurned? You think they felt rejected? The story is a good reminder that God works in His own way. It's not by the strength of men that battles are won, but it's by the work of God. In reality, the story of David and Goliath is not about us being, being David and gathering up stones and a sling and going down to kill the giant of rejection ourselves. No, sir, it is God doing that for us. God chooses, God chooses the weak things to confound the wise. God chose the youngest of them all as a way of showing us all that is not the outward appearance that impresses God. I mean, if you think about Eliab and the little bit of description we get, he had to be tall, he, had, he was strong, he was the oldest, he was the bravest, he was the one that his daddy probably always looked to to, to kind of run things and get things going, and that's the very one that God said, no, it's not him. I'm sure when Samuel laid his eyes on him, he said, man, Eliab, boy, he is something else. I know that's the one. This, this is going to be a short trip. Come here, Eliab. He gets up there and God says, that's not him. Come on over here, Shema. Mm-mm, not him. Abinadab? Nope. He's going on down through the rest of them. Samuel gets to the end of it. And he probably begins to scratch his head, maybe. He says, Jesse, do you have any more? Jesse probably steps back for a moment. I do have one more. 
I don't think he's going to be the one. Maybe God told you wrong. He said, go and fetch him. He had to be redneck. He said, go fetch him. Go fetch him. I understand them terms. Go fetch him. David is a man after God's own heart. God chose the youngest as a way of showing us that it's not that outward appearance. We get so caught up on people's outward appearances. But it is God and God alone that looks down into the depths of somebody's heart and will discover if he's a warrior or not. We'll discover if he's a king or not. We'll discover if he's a leader or not. We can look on the outside and we'll see someone's outward appearance and we'll think, man, that's going to be a great leader right there. Yeah, until the battle arises. Then they're standing there quaking in their boots. David, a man after mine own heart, is a statement that God had made. In a perfect world, Eliab would have understood this. Think about it this way, if, if it had been written this way, when David showed up to the battle... Eliab would have said, hey, everyone, come meet my brother who just got anointed king of Israel. He's going to be king one day. Ain't this great? Come meet him. I want to introduce you to him. That's not how it happened. I get to be the oldest brother of the king of Israel. Man, that's fantastic. Oh, no. See, he was rejected by Samuel and by God and in front of all these men, and now that seed of rejection, he didn't handle it correctly, and now that anger and bitterness shows up in his life. But had it been written that way, he would have turned to David and said, Man, I'm glad to see you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for bringing that bread. Thanks for bringing these supplies. Hey, by the way, tell Dad we're doing just fine. The inspired Eliab would have stepped up to protest the younger brother, or at least he would have encouraged David when he said, I'll take a shot at Goliath. The stronger, more older brother, the one who's supposed to be looking after the rest of the brothers. When David said, and nobody else is going to stand up, I'll go and do it. Oh no, David, I'll do it before you will. I'll protect you. I'm your older brother. That's not how it happened. Eliab and the rest of the brothers and the mighty men of valor stood back and David said, is there not a cause? Tell, tell Saul I'll go fight him. Do what? You're the smallest guy out here. I don't care. I'll go fight him. Is there not a cause? Eliab felt like he had been rejected and embarrassed almost by not being selected and anointed to be king. He burned with anger and asked, Why have you come down here, David? And who did you leave those sheep with, by the way? Reminding him where his place was actually at. Look again at verse 28. It said, Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why comest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride, the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again, The former manner. Said in verse 31, And when the, when the words were heard which David spoke, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. Eliab felt rejected and rejected people. When you think about it, rejected people reject people. Misery loves some company, don't it? Man, when we get hurt, what do we want to do? We want to hurt somebody else. We just want to hurt, and we want to hurt, and we want to keep on hurting. Misery loves company. Rejection wants to reject other people. In this same story, David also faced two more rejections. Look at verse 29 through 33. We just read 29. We'll do it again. It said, David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. 
He was rejected again. I'm sure all those mighty men of valor were laughing that David said, I'll go fight him. <laughs> I can hear the chuckles. And when the words which were heard were spake, David spake, they rehearsed him before Saul and he sent for him and said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a, and he a man of war from his youth. We see that second rejection. Hey, David, you're not good enough. You're not old enough. You're not strong enough. You're not even capable to go down and fight him. Maybe we have, in here this morning, maybe we have heard some of these things before too. You're never going to do that. Don't get any crazy ideas. Man, that's just silly. Don't get your hopes up. You ever heard any statements like that? You're never going to amount to anything. You're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. You're not beautiful enough. You're not worthy enough. You're not wanted enough. A feeling of rejection. David passed through his brother's rejection. He got over that hump. King Saul's rejection is next. He said, David, I appreciate what you're saying here, but you're just not able to go out and fight this man who has been a man of war since his youth. Then as he goes through these two hurdles, he has one more to face. It's a third rejection. Go to verse number 42. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy, and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh to the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a, <clears throat> thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. We see that even Goliath rejected David and what he was trying to do. David can't win for losing. He's getting it from all sides. The first, <clears throat> the first and the last taunts were probably the worst when he got taunted by his brother. Rejected by his own brother, one whom he loves. Then that last taunt, the one from Goliath, the very guy who he's going to face in battle, laughs at him. Am I a dog that thou would come out here and face me? Who is this little kid? I'm going to feed his flesh to the fowls. To be ridiculed by your oldest brother has to be difficult. Then to be called too cute to fight by the king, that's got to be difficult, but he probably understood that a little bit. You see, rejection takes aim at us all. No amount of money, looks, or success can protect us from the possibility of rejection. We see it all over our society. We see it in our government. We see our president. It seems like he gets rejected every single day, but he keeps on trucking along. It comes at us in all different ways. Some people have incredible potential but can't try anything for the fear of failure and fear of rejection. The easy choice, they choose that. Live in safety of mediocrity be because we think it's better than rejection. At the other end of that spectrum, you have those people who are determined to win in anything and everything to prove to somebody that they are good enough, strong enough, and smart enough. They won't rest until they are first in the class. They won't rest until they're the head of the organization. They won't rest until they're the most respected person in the group. But even those people, sometimes they're never happy. Because they're building up their self-worth based on their accomplishments. 
They don't know what they're going to do when their accomplishments aren't good enough anymore. It's that, same sign, it's that same giant of rejection. Remember, it comes in different forms. When you look at the modeling industry out there today, you'll soon discover some of the most insecure people in this world. The magazines, they'll paint those portraits and they'll make them look like they got all their act together. They'll make them look beautiful. They'll make them look like you know they, they own the world, got it in their hands. But some get judged because they're too pretty. Some get judged because they're not, too, they're not pretty enough. They're too short. They're too big. They're too skinny. Not skinny enough. Many of those out there in the modeling world... They have eating disorders. The magazines make it look like they have it all together. But when those camera lights fade, that feeling of rejection begins to set in on their life. In the athletic realm, an athlete has a sense of insecurity because they know there are only one injury away from ruining their career. They are performance-based evaluations that athletes go through every day of their life. Smart people feel insecure because they feel like people only like them for what they know. The fear of rejection can lead to some troubling places. One of the most powerful sources out there is that source of acceptance. It's what we call, it's what we all crave. People will go to great lengths to have that feeling of acceptance. You study some kids' lives and you look at them in high school and elementary school and middle school and college and kids are starving for that attention and that feeling of acceptance and they crave it and they'll go to any group that they have to in order to get it. They'll sell their own soul for that feeling of acceptance. David pressed on through this rejection. He felt, he felt to go on. He felt to go on and accomplish the purpose that God had set in his life. He arrived at the battle place of true acceptance through Christ and Christ alone. He knew that God was on his side. He even told Saul, he said, hey Saul, he said, I am ready for battle. He said, when I was out there tending to my father's sheep, out came a lion and a bear and God touched me and I was able to handle them with my own two hands. Killed them. Protected those sheep. We'll face rejection every day of our lives, whether it's at school, whether it's at work, whether it's at family, whether it's with our peers, the only thing that will help us move past it is to immerse ourselves in the acceptance of Christ. Four things I want us to embrace this morning and we'll get out of here. I know this is a little lengthy, but I'm sorry. But four things we need to embrace and we'll get out of here. Number one, understand the miracle of our creation. We clothe ourselves in acceptance when we understand we are the work of God. In Psalm 139, verses 13 David writes, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and my soul knoweth right well. Immerse yourself in the fact that God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make rejects. We are all God's creation. We ought to immerse ourselves in the fact that we have been created by God. That's where our acceptance ought to come from. To conquer this giant of rejection, remember, you are a creation of God. Number two, reveal in the mystery, revel in the mystery that Jesus, he, has, he chose us before the foundations of this world. This means that from the very beginning of time, God chose us. Long before you knew Him, He knew you. He loved you long before the world began. Before you ever felt the sting of rejection, God had already gone on record and He chose you long before this world became into existence. Long before people ever decided whether or not you were good enough, God had already decided that he wanted to bring you into his family as a son or a daughter Jesus chose us Jesus died for us Jesus loves us Jesus has accepted us the question is have you accepted him today number three grasp how costly it was for Jesus to rescue you 
How do we develop true acceptance? We clothe ourselves in Christ's acceptance. When we see the enormous cost God put, God paid when He sent Jesus, His Son, to die for our sins. Everybody knows this verse, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but hath everlasting life. God paid an enormous price for us. The price that He paid was His only begotten Son. You say, what is my soul worth to God? It was worth Jesus. His only Son. Let that sink in for a little while. What would we worth to God? We were worth His only begotten Son. That's a high price to pay. We were worth Jesus to God. Number four, this morning we live in acceptance, not for it. We, I mean, we live from acceptance. We don't live for it. For the giant of rejection to fall, we must admit the need for acceptance. We were made to be loved, and the need is there as well. Everybody in here wants to be loved. God made us as lovely creatures. He wants us to love on other people. The good news is that, that in Christ we have everything we long for, everything we need. We are not working to gain His acceptance. We already have it because we trusted Him as Savior. Amen. We live from His acceptance, not for it. Sure, we want to be loved and liked by others, and we want to live and we want to love in a way that will allow us, you know, to hear, and hear from heaven. Well done when we get there. That's how we want our lives to be. You know, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are accepted in the beloved. This morning, I've been mostly preaching at the Christians, but if there's one lost soul in here this morning, I want to preach to you just for a few moments. If you're feeling rejected this morning, may I introduce you to one who was rejected? But he don't reject nobody. <laughs> he don't reject no one. You're saying, are you kidding me? Do you know what I've done? I don't know what you've done. don't want to know what you've done, but I can tell you right now that it can all be washed away in the blood of the Lamb. Once the blood has been applied to it, it is gone, forgotten, buried in the depths of the sea in God's sea of forgetfulness. Never to be remembered again. Never to be brought up again. And praise God, hallelujah for that all. Jesus, He was despised and He was rejected. And yet He loved us enough that he went to Calvary's cross and became sin for us. We talked about it a moment ago. How much was our soul worth to God? It was worth his only begotten son. Let us all stand in here this morning. It was worth his only begotten. As a pianist, as they begin to play this morning, don't know where you're at today. Maybe you've had a hard week. Maybe it's been a hard month. Child of God, maybe you're feeling that seed of rejection from some people that you love or maybe some from, some from some family members or maybe from a brother or sister. Maybe you need to bring it on down to the altar this morning and lay it at God's feet. Say, God, help me with this seed of rejection that it does not get inside of me and ruin me and ruin my character and my countenance. Oh, we can all face that. We might even face it this afternoon. If you're not facing it now, maybe when that seed of rejection begins to come in our lives, maybe we need to pray right now, God, help me if that ever comes upon me. I don't want it to ruin me. You can look at some of the Bible characters and look at Saul, how that seed of rejection came upon him, and he just became angry and bitter at everything in his life. It'll ruin you this morning. To that one this morning does not know Christ as Savior, Maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting your heart right now. Maybe you're feeling that feeling of rejection.
For those of us who know Christ as Savior, it's going to be a wonderful day when we get up into heaven and they just say, come on in. But for that one that does not know Christ as Savior, it's going to be a terrible feeling when you're standing outside of heaven's gate and you get rejected because you didn't know Him. If you don't know Christ this morning, I trust, I pray you'll just come on down. All heads bowed, all eyes closed, nobody looking around. For someone in here this morning who does not know Christ the Savior, I only want to know how to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you, call your name out. We want to know how to pray collectively as a church. If there be one amongst us this morning who does not know Christ the Savior, you're not 100% for sure that if you were to die today, you would have spent eternity in heaven. Just slip your hand up and wave it at me. I want to know how to pray for you today. Anybody in here like that? Appreciate everybody's honesty this morning. For the child of God, we know what it's like to feel rejected. We also know what it's like to have that 100% of acceptance. Well, I thank God for that today. Thank God we can rest assured in the love and care of Jesus Christ. He did all the work. He paid all the price. The only thing we had to do was accept it. What a wonderful gift that is this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we are thankful today for Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you will in no wise cast no man out that will come unto you. Father, thank you, Lord, you won't reject anybody. You have a whosoever gospel. Whosoever is willing to come, Lord, you'll save that person. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness and your people to be out today. I would pray once again for Pastor Renee, Lord, as they travel. God, you keep them safe. Father, may they get home safely. We do love you today. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people. God bless us now as we go our separate ways. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Remember, no, no evening services. Services evening is canceled.